Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our scripture is taken from the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, which says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This is a saying from Jesus, and he's asking us to seek his face, to come into the presence of God, and to do the things that God wants us to do each day. In other words, he wants us to put God first in our lives and us to be followers of him. And not only are we supposed to seek the kingdom of God, but also his righteousness. And of course, God is a holy, righteous, perfect God. And because of that fact, we are not. And each day we commit sin. It's either by thought or word or deed. And these things need to be forgiven. And of course, God's made a provision for that. For those of us who are believers, we can pray and ask God to forgive us our sins, and he will do that. And so all these things will be added to us as we serve him. God will bless us. He will watch over us. He will protect us. He will use us. He will open doors for us, and he will meet our needs each day. What a great God we have. What a great blessing that salvation is for each and every one of us who is a believer in Jesus Christ. This week on Global Times, we have a special edition. President Brian Albrecht is speaking to the staff about current events and communication he has had with other people in the ministry from the Holy Land. Well, today, I'm studying Daniel and little care group, and I have on my shelf my old Schofield Bible. 
in the front, it's amazing to me because it has the address of our house in Okinawa. When Patty and I uh, were first married, I was in the military and I went to Okinawa. She came over six weeks later and has the address of our home that we were off base uh, in the local economy with in Samabi, Okinawa. And it sort of brought back memories of our time over there. We were there for two and a half years. We were with missionaries and uh, had a really good time uh, uh, witnessing and, uh, and growing in the Lord over there. It's amazing. This week, I've had, had some really interesting calls. Different people who live in Jerusalem, Pastor Steve uh, Curie in Jerusalem, I talked to him. And then uh, yesterday, the NRB had a webinar for the President's Council people, which I was on, and they had Joel Rosenberg. I think he's written 12 novels. I've read several of them. They're really good. Uh, one of those novels was a scenario where it had to do with Iran and Ayatollah. And the way it came out was not positive for Iran. But it did open up a lot of contacts for him all over the Middle East. And he's been invited to top leaders in the Middle East about uh, what he shared. And of course, he's going to be one of the speakers at the NRB convention this summer. But anyway, in Matthew 24, uh, you all know that that chapter It's a prophetic chapter. And of course, you know, the disciples ask about the temple. And, and I want to make a point. And so in verse 4 of Matthew 24, it says, and Jesus answered and said unto them, that's to the disciples, take heed, lest no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars, and there's going to be deception. There's going to be false prophets, but the end is not yet. Then verse 7 says, for nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. So we're going to have pestilences and earthquakes in various places. Of course, we know we have the, the virus now, which is worldwide. Then shall they deliver you up, talking about Christians, disciples, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. You shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. We can say that that's sort of worldwide. And then verse 10 says, and then many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate. Verse 11 says, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, sin shall abound, the love of many shall grow cold. And I think we see that um, today as well. But he that shall endure it to the end, the same shall be saved. And then the verse that I want to get to, and listen to this, listen to this verse. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. The end was not yet in verse 6, but after all these things happen, the gospels preached to the entire world, and then the end comes. Now, if you have that in the back of your mind, and you think about today's uh, events, I talked to Pastor Curry in Jerusalem last week, and things are right on track to have the, the temple rebuilt on the Temple Mount. The place is selected. He has seen the architectural drawings, and the Muslims and the Jews, the head of the, the Muslims there in Jerusalem and the head of the, the Jews, and agreed to allow this to happen. And as soon as certain things happen, 
he claims that it take, it'll take them something like 14 months to put up the temple because they also already have the, the cornerstone. They already have all the materials. They're already trained the priests to do the Levitical offerings, the sacrifices. In fact, I saw pictures of, of these priests being trained and they can't kill a lamb in Jerusalem right now. It's against the law, but they take them outside and they go and practice doing the sacrifices. All these things are in place. They have the uh, high priest golden crown. They have the garments made. They have the instruments made to worship God. Everything is in place for that temple to go to get up. All they need is the okay. He also told me that Netanyahu, who's, who's sort of fighting for his political life now, now, they just had their fourth election. But what he said was this, it was really important. He said that Netanyahu and the different people that are important there have made a, a compact that even if Netanyahu is not the prime minister, that things will go forward. Jared Kushner is all part of this, and they're still working on this, and they're still working about bringing peace to the Middle East. And they already had four countries that have made peace with Israel, and it seems like there's possibility that many more will come. Well, that's what I heard last week. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour, and we really appreciate the prayers of those who pray for us each week and help us financially to support this broadcast. As you know, this is a listener-supported ministry, and we count on your donations to help us stay on the air. This month, we're offering a really wonderful book of poems by Helen Steiner Rice, who's a famous Christian writer. It's entitled A Collection of Love Gifts, and I just thought I'd read one poem poem out of this wonderful uh, booklet. It's called He Loves You. It's amazing and incredible, but it's as true as it can be. God loves and understands us all, and that means you and me. His grace is all sufficient for both the young and old, for the lonely and the timid, for the brash and for the bold. His love knows no exception, so never feel excluded. No matter what or what you are, your name has been included. And no matter what your past has been, trust God to understand, and no matter what your problem is, just place it in his hand. For in all of your for in all of our unloveliness, this great God loves us still. He loves us since the world began. And what's more, he always will. What a wonderful... You can get a copy of this wonderful booklet, A Collection of Love Gifts, by writing to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. Today's message is from the Honorable Ernest C. Manning and is a continuation of his series entitled Faith Once Delivered. Printed copies are available upon request. In the Apostle Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, he devotes the 15th chapter to a thesis on the doctrine of the literal bodily resurrection of the dead. He points out that the validity of the doctrine stands or falls on the accuracy of the claim that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. 
The doctrine of the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is the subject we want to address today as we continue the series of talks entitled The Faith Which Was Once Delivered Unto the Saints. Thus far we've discussed the verbal inspiration and divine preservation of the infallible and inerrant scriptures, the deity and sovereign lordship of Jesus Christ, and in our last talk the vicarious blood atonement which Christ made to make possible the remission of our sins. Without shedding of blood is no remission, is God's clear and emphatic assertion. That's why our salvation required the shedding of Christ's blood as the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Beware of anyone or any religion that tells you that you can obtain the forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life apart from the atoning efficacy of Christ's blood shed for your sins when he died in your place on the cross. Recognize also that after you receive Christ as your Savior and receive forgiveness through him, you are still dependent on the cleansing power of his shed blood to keep you free from sin's defilement day by day. There is solid scriptural basis for the old hymn that Arthur Querngesser sang for us a few minutes ago. Through the blood of the cross I am redeemed from sin, but to be free from dross, Lord, I would enter in. Deeper yet, deeper yet into the crimson flood, deeper yet, deeper yet under the sheltering blood. Now we turn our attention to what is the foundation stone on which the redemptive work of Jesus Christ rests. It therefore is also the foundation stone on which Christianity rests. That foundation is the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let me read Paul's masterful summation of why this is so, as recorded in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning at verse 12. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be, that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Before we examine the evidence that supports the Bible's assertion that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead three days after his death on the cross, let us recognize how much hinges on the accuracy of this claim. Paul, in his thesis, enunciates four specific things. First, the credibility of the Scriptures and of Christian witness. The Bible says Christ was literally resurrected from the dead. If he wasn't, the Bible isn't true. If it contains even one false assertion, it isn't the infallible Word of God. 
The Christian witness of those who preach the resurrection of Christ as a cardinal doctrine affirmed in the Scriptures is also discredited. Paul says, If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. And we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom ye raise not up, if so be that the dead rise not. 2. If Christ was not resurrected, his deity is called into question. First, because he said before his death that he would rise again. And second, because his literal bodily resurrection is one of the cardinal facts that sets him apart from all other men and bears witness to his deity. There have been many great religious leaders and teachers. Some of them were founders of great religions whose members and adherents number in the millions. But they are all dead. And because they were mortals and not divine, they remain dead and buried. And their followers have only their memories and their teachings. Christ was altogether different. Being divine as well as human, death in his case was not the end of his living presence in the midst of those who receive him as their Savior. For he alone among all men was literally resurrected from the dead and is alive today and forever. God's invitation to you in the inspired scriptures is to come not to the religion of a prophet or teacher long since dead, but to come to a living divine person who, though crucified for your sins, was literally resurrected from the dead after he had paid in full the price of your redemption. 3. If Christ was not resurrected, all who have put their trust in him for their salvation have been deceived. As Paul says, If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. And they also which have died trusting in Christ are perished. The basis of salvation is set out in the faith once delivered is that Christ died for our sins and the evidence that his substitutionary death fully met the demands of divine justice is his literal bodily resurrection from the dead because he could no more be holden of death once he had paid in full the price of our redemption. The scriptures further say he's able to save to the uttermost all who come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. His role as our intercessor is dependent on him being raised from the dead after he had died in our stead and shed his blood of atonement for the remission of our sins. For the Bible's assurance that we will someday be resurrected from the dead is a false assurance if Christ was not raised. Paul goes on to say in his thesis, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead, and become the first fruits of them that slept. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. That is, it is Christ's literal bodily resurrection that guarantees the resurrection of us all. No wonder the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the foundation stone on which the whole Christian faith rests, and a cardinal doctrine of the faith which was once delivered 
unto the saints. Let us now briefly summarize the great evidences and proofs of Christ's literal bodily resurrection. I direct your attention to six categories of evidence. First, his own testimony. Remember, he was the Son of God. Every word he spoke was absolute truth, for being God he could not lie. Before his crucifixion he foretold his death and declared that he would rise again. Matthew 16:21 says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things and be killed and be raised again the third day. After his resurrection he appeared to his disciples and to dispel their doubts said unto them, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. 2. There is the evidence of the empty grave. Following Christ's burial, the scribes and Pharisees persuaded Pilate to seal the sepulchre with his own signet, and they placed a contingent from the temple guard to prevent the disciples stealing his body from the tomb. But on the third morning, after his burial, the stone was found rolled away, and the grave empty, save for an angel of the Lord who said to the frightened women who made the discovery, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. 3. There is the evidence of the numerous eyewitnesses who saw and spake with him after his resurrection. Mary Magdalene, to whom he appeared in the garden as she left the empty sepulchre. The two on the road to Emmaus, whose hearts burned within them as he expounded unto them from the scriptures the things concerning himself. The ten disciples in the room in Jerusalem, when Thomas was absent, and the same group eight days later, when Thomas was with them, and when Christ said to him, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless but believing. He appeared to seven disciples on the shore of Galilee when they returned from a night's fishing. He told them to cast the net on the other side of the boat, and immediately it was filled with fish. He met and talked with them all on the day of his ascension, and opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And then he led them out as far as Bethany, where they beheld as he slowly ascended into heaven. But there was even more witnesses of his resurrection. Paul says of Christ in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-8, that he died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, and that he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve, and after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, and after that was seen of James, and then of all the apostles, and last of all, Paul says, he was seen of me. Certainly the number of eyewitnesses who saw and spoke with Christ after his resurrection leave no doubt that he returned from the dead. Four, further supporting evidence is the unfulfilled prophecies concerning Christ, which cannot be fulfilled unless he was resurrected from the dead. 
There are the numerous promises of his second coming to establish his millennial kingdom on this earth. His role as the future judge of nations foretold in Matthew 25. And his role as the judge of the unbelieving dead when he takes his place on the great right throne as described in Revelation 20, 11 to 12. None of these prophecies could be fulfilled if Christ's life terminated with his crucifixion. And yet all other prophecies concerning his role in events now history were fulfilled with literal exactitude. Five, a further evidence of his literal resurrection was the proof of his living presence back in heaven after his ascension, when in fulfillment of a promise he had made to his disciples after his resurrection, he sent the divine person of the Holy Spirit upon them at Pentecost as they waited in Jerusalem for the fulfillment of that promise. Peter's explanation to the amazed people who witnessed the phenomenon was that it was the resurrected Christ who had ascended to heaven, fulfilling the promise he'd made to them before he ascended. Finally, there is one great and irrefutable proof of Christ's resurrection that anyone who will may experience today. Through Christ's death in your place, his blood atonement for the remission of your sins, and his resurrection from the dead, God opened the door for you to come into a personal relationship with the living, resurrected Christ. That is the good news of the gospel of the grace of God that, God willing, I want to discuss with you in detail in our next talk. But let me emphasize as we close, becoming a Christian is not a matter of subscribing to creeds or dogmas or turning over a new leaf or trying to reform your lifestyle. Genuine Bible Christianity is a matter of you coming by faith to the resurrected living Christ and receiving Him into your heart and life as your personal Savior and making Him the sovereign Lord of your life. Christ said in His prayer to God His Father, This is life eternal, that men might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. He further said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You don't need a dead religious prophet or teacher. You need a living Savior, able to save to the uttermost all who come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. I plead with you to come to the living divine Christ today as he says to you, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Have you opened your heart and life to him and invited him in to be our Savior and Lord? If not, will you do so today? I trust the message that you just heard will be a great blessing to you, not only today, but throughout the, this next week. Here at Canada's National Bible Hour, we're so concerned about people and their spiritual well-being. We trust those of you who have walked with the Lord for many years, have sensed God's presence, trust that God will continue to bless you throughout this next week. There may be some that have listened to this broadcast who are not sure of their relationship with God and with the Lord Jesus Christ. And for those, I'd like to share what the Bible teaches. The Bible 
Bible teaches that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means that every last one of us, including myself, have all sinned, and because of one sin, we're not eligible to be in the presence of a holy God who is perfect and pure and righteous. So we are separated from him, and we need a Savior, and the Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. He was God. He became man. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross, and on the cross, he bore your sins in his own body as he took your place and took your hell and took the punishment for your sin as he hung there. He died, but he rose again on the third day, and he's alive. And he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, and all you need to do is understand the fact that you are a sinner and you need grace, you need a Savior, and you need to ask Jesus Christ to come in your life. You need to believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Don't forget to order your copy of Helen Steiner Rice's booklet entitled A Collection of Love Gifts. I know you will enjoy this booklet very much. You can get your copy by writing to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210. St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also find past broadcasts at www.missiongo.org. That's M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O dot O-R-G. I trust the Lord will bless you throughout this next week. 